it was May or June, the year 2000, just before my 19th birthday, a Wednesday afternoon, my cousin, <clears throat> good friend, he asked me if I wanted to go spelunking, cave exploring. Ha <laughs> ha, absolutely. Never been before. Although there's numerous caves uh, in, in Bloomington and around that area, I'd never been, so I said, yeah, let's go. All right. We lived just down the road from each other, and so we were, we were going to ride together. And I told my, my parents, I remember what, what each one of them said. My dad said, make sure you take extra water, lots of water. Take a couple of flashlights and some extra batteries. He had a lot of questions on the preparation that, I, that we were making for this cave exploration and I said no I don't need water I'm just gonna be in there a couple hours we don't need extra flashlights I know what I'm doing although I'd never been and my cousin had never been we were experts we knew everything we didn't need to make all these preparations my dad was crazy um, my mom however she said, what time do you work? What time do you go to work? Well, I, 4 o'clock. Okay. If you're not back home by 3 o'clock, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> My mom, too, was crazy. They're both here today, so. <laughs> they know they're crazy. Um, it's not news. Um, so we, we, we left that morning. There's a little book that you have to sign in before you go into the cave and just says, yes, we arrived. And then you're supposed to go back there when you, when you uh, get out and when you leave. We parked our car there, we signed the book, and we went in. Now, there's a couple of things about this cave that I should say. One, there is one way in and out. We knew that. There's the mouth of the cave, but not just that, as you go in... There's not multiple ways to go deep into this cave. You have to go in through this one opening. So we did. We walked in, you know, bright-eyed, unexpecting, you know, any, anything uh, to, to, uh, to go wrong. We were in there for probably about an hour and a half. I remember I had a... Uh, uh, a watch that was an Indiglo watch. Did anybody ever have an Indiglo watch? Right? You push the little button and the, the green light pops on and I, that, that, that came back. I still vividly remember that watch. Because we walked in, I looked, it had been about an hour and a half. There are orange arrows that point the way out. So the whole way in, we're walking, we're seeing these arrows pointing out, out, out. Great. Awesome, we're going to find our way out. We got to the, the back of the cave, and there it was. We could see it was, a, it, was, it was at a point. We both walked back there. We both touched it so that we could tell, you know, everyone. We, we made it all the way in. We turned around. 
And we started walking out. We started following these arrows that pointed the way out. Oh my goodness, I remember this vividly. We got to this arrow, 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 arrow. And they came to a point with a big orange smiley face that said, Ha ha, got ya. And that's, that's when the fear, you know, really sets into your stomach. But we're going to be fine. I turned to my cousin then, and I said, you have the map, right? And he said, I thought you had it. <laughs> oh. Probably wouldn't have done us any good because neither of us really know how to read maps very well. Um, so we thought, okay, well, we had our flashlights, you know. And we start looking and exploring. I remember there was one part where it was about this, this, uh, this high. You had to crawl down through and under a rock. But there was broken glass down there. And I remember crawling through this. And we kept saying, you know what? I, I remember coming through here on our way in because of all this broken glass. So we, we climbed through and... Maybe about an hour and a half later, after crawling through there on our way out, we crawled back through this broken glass again. And I said, I remember coming back through here before. And he said, yeah, I thought you said that before. And surely we're not going in circles. There's got to be... Okay. About that time, the flashlight started to go dim. And he says, hey, did you bring those extra batteries? No, I thought my dad was crazy. Sure would be nice to have some water right now, but I don't have that either. We kept crawling and crawling and crawling, and he says, Hey, good news! He was in front of me. He said, Hey, good news! I know we're on the right track because I found this wallet. So somebody has come through here before. And I said, Rob, that's my wallet. <laughs> We're going the wrong way again. We found our way to one room of the cave and we sat on this rock. And as we sat down on this rock, just trying to get our bearings about us, not that we had any bearings, um, but we sat down on this rock and we started to talk, turned our flashlights off to conserve some battery, and we were, we were, we were back to back. And as we sat there, I, I said, good news, Rob, if three o'clock rolls around, my mom's calling the police, so I know we're not going to be here forever. Okay. All right, so we have that. What time is it? <laughs> oh my goodness. It was very, very early in the morning. It's probably about 10 at that point. All right, we have about five hours till my mom calls the police. <laughs> what do you want to do? We sat in that room, the room of that cave, for at least four more hours, playing I Spy. Anybody ever played I Spy? Yeah. But we played I Spy with, you, you always pick a color, don't you? So we played I Spy, I Spy something that is black. It's a cave, yep, yep. I Spy, I spy something that's green. Yeah, that's your watch. 
I spy, I spy, I spy. It started getting really cold in there. And then we played a game. We, we said, you know, it's all in our minds. We're, we're shivering now. It's getting cold. We don't have extra clothes. Why would we bring those? Um, we started to sh And he said, just pretend like we're in my basement. And it's the middle of summer. And my mom has turned the air conditioning way up. Yeah, that'll work. It doesn't work doesn't work. So there we sat for five, at least five more hours. We were lost. We had no way out. And I have to tell you, even though in my mind I thought, my mom's going to call the police and they're going to come and they're going to rescue us. I, I, I had to, in my mind, I was losing hope. That there would be a way out. I was losing hope that, that anybody would actually find us in that cave. So I wonder, have you ever been lost? Has anybody ever been lost here? I mean, not just, not just geographically lost a little bit where you have to pull out um, your, your phone and bring up MapQuest. People still use that, right? Google Maps, maybe. Or you have to pull out a big paper map. Does anybody still use paper map? An atlas? You still carry an atlas in your car? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, be proud of that. That's right. Because when they wipe all maps off of the internet, you are the ones going to be laughing at us. Because we don't have an atlas. But anyhow, my mother-in-law still buys us atlases and sends, and sends them. Um, but not just a little lost. I mean, I'm not, I'm not asking if you've just been a little lost. <clears throat> Have you ever been really, really lost? I mean, spiritually lost or emotionally lost, where you, you begin to lose hope that there is a way out. You begin to wonder if anybody will ever come and find you where you are. You see, as we enter back into the, the, the account of, of Jonah, that's where we find him this morning. In chapter 2, he is completely lost. To refresh your memory, Jonah was a, a prophet called by God with a specific purpose, a specific plan given to him by God. God said, go to the great city of Nineveh, a city of about 120,000. I told you last week that uh, Evansville is about 117,000. So that tells you about the size of Nineveh. But Jonah had this call from God, very clear, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach to those people because they, they have come up before me, that they are wicked in my sight. Someone needs to go. Jonah, that someone is you. And Jonah was sickened by this call. Why? Because he hated the Ninevites. He hated the people because they represented everything that was evil in his generation and among his people. Nineveh was the capital of the, the nation of Assyria, a great enemy of the Jews. And Jonah said, I don't want to go there. Not only because he hated the people, but I'm convinced that Jonah did not want to go there because he was sure that if he preached to them, he was sure they would repent. And if they repented, he knew his God and he knew that God would forgive them. 
and that they would be once again seen as righteous in God's eyes. And so Jonah said, I will not go. In fact, Jonah boards a ship and he goes in the opposite direction. We read in chapter 1 of Jonah that he sails in the opposite direction in order to flee from God. And yet God knows where Jonah is. And God still has a call on Jonah's life. And so he sends a storm. The sailors wake Jonah up. They, they, they tell him, the other sailors on the, sh the, the, the ship, they say, get up. Cry out to your God. Pray to Him. Maybe He will answer. And Jonah says, yeah, it's all my fault. I'm running from God. And so the sailors, they pray to Jonah's God. They pray to the Almighty God just before they throw Him off the ship. Jonah starts to, to, to you know, splash around in the water. I just picture Jonah dog paddling in this water. I'm sure he could, he could swim. I mean, come on. That's what I picture, though. God stops the storm as soon as they throw Jonah off by the seat of his pants. He stops the storm. The sailors are safe. I'm sure in their minds, they're thinking, let me throw him a rope. Let me throw him a life preserver. We can pull him back on now that the storm has stopped. But just as they, they, they I picture, I'm making this up, they, they start to throw him a, a life preserver. This ginormous fish, that's my word, ginormous, this ginormous fish jumps up, swallows him whole, and there is no more Jonah. That's chapter 1. Now, Jonah finds himself lost in a disgusting environment. Literally a disgusting environment. I mean, he's in the, the, the gut of a giant fish, right? Imagine the smell associated with this. Right? I talked to, uh, to, to Karen Gines this last week. The digestive process that starts to happen as Jonah is in there. Imagine him hanging by something. He doesn't know what it is because it's completely dark. He too didn't bring a flashlight. But he's hanging by something and then it gives way. The sound, the smell. Jonah starts to feel his feet burning. Are you with me? This is, this is gross, isn't it? But this is where Jonah is. So see, he's not sitting conveniently on a rock playing I spy with his cousin, knowing that his mommy is going to call the police here in a couple hours. Jonah is sure that this is the end. Jonah is considering the fact that he has fled from God, not just from the Ninevites, not just from this call, but he, he ran away from God. See, this is just punishment. And so as Jonah starts to get digested in this, the, the belly of this fish, he starts to wonder, what do I do next? And surely he has lost hope. Open up, if you haven't, to Jonah chapter 2, where we're going to catch up to Jonah this morning. And God, we pray that you would guide and direct your message to us, God. We pray, God, that you would speak to us individually today, God, of the call that you have for us and what you desire our next steps to be. Open our eyes, God, that we might become prophets in our communities and to our families. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Jonah finds himself lost in a disgusting place. Physically lost. He doesn't know where this fish is going to swim. But also emotionally, spiritually lost. I ask you this morning if you've ever been there. I think we've all been there at one point or another to some degree or another when we come face to face with that reality of our situation. <clears throat> we know that something must change. When we're, when we're emotionally and, and spiritually lost, we know that something must change. We know that we have to somehow, some way, get out of this mess that we've gotten into. But, you see, Jonah, although he was lost, completely, totally lost, Jonah didn't know where to go. Jonah knew who to go to. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 <clears throat> reads this way, from inside the fish, from inside the fish. Get that. Again, wrap your mind around that. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord God, and he said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Whew. Do you know what we did in that, in that cave as we sat in that room? I said we, we were there for about five hours. You know what we did? Even though we knew, we were, we were, we were I mean, just picking up our flashlights and we were, the, the flashlights burned out, by the way, gone, completely uh, wiped out. We took our flashlights and we just started banging on the walls looking for a hollow spot. Nothing. Nothing at all. There was nothing. We're yelling in this cavernous cave, right? Hearing our echo. Nobody could hear us. We knew that. And yet we drove ourselves hoarse, yelling, hour after hour after hour, help! Somebody! Anybody! There's nobody coming into this cave. We looked at the book as we signed in. Nobody came to this cave. I mean, it's just, it's just us. We knew that. We're gone, right? But hour after hour, we yelled for help. No response. In my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. Verse 3. You hurled me inside into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. The roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. 
Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord alone. Do you hear this prayer? You see, this is in here not just, to, not just as a, a description of where Jonah finds himself lost at this point. This is in here as a prayer. Jonah crying out from the depths of this fish. From the depths of the ocean, Jonah's crying out to God, God, I know you hear me. Maybe I'm not hearing you right now, but God, I know that you can hear me. I know that although I feel trapped in, although I am losing hope, that I will ever see daylight again, I know that you have not forgotten me, God. He talks about seaweed being wrapped around his head. The roots of the mountain, he says, I sank, I sank down into, but you brought life to me. How can anyone speak of life in a condition such as this? You see, but it's because of the second half of verse 7. I remembered you, O Lord. I remembered you, O Lord. It's like Jonah is saying, I know, God, that you will not leave me. I know that you will not forsake me. I know that you never, ever forget about me. I know, God, that if you call me, you will call me again. I know, God, that if you were ready to forgive those nasty Ninevites, that you will forgive me of this. You see, and so Jonah cries out in this state of complete lostness. He cries out to the Lord. Those who cling to worthless idols, verse 8 says, forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Get that. Oh my. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you for what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah says, if, if I get to see daylight, God, I will go to Nineveh and I will tell them of your great news. I will tell them that you are the God that forgives. I will tell them that if they only repent... That you will wipe away their sin, that you will wipe away their guilt, that you will wipe away their shame, and that you will pick them up. What I vowed, I will make good. But even underneath that, it's as if we can hear Jonah saying, but God, if I don't see daylight again, if you never deliver me from the, the belly of this fish, I'm okay with that. Because I know that you are still God. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That's holy vomit, folks. Oh, that's good vomit, right? I mean, and if you think, oh, that's that, that, the, the stink, the smell that Jonah must have, have experienced at that point. Now he's out, right? I mean, there's other things that are, that are coming in. Have you ever been in someone's stomach? Oh, it's got to smell disgusting, right? And I don't, I don't just mean if you ever smelled someone's belch, right? No, I'm saying, have you ever been surrounded where there's no fresh air about you? Am I, am I making anybody else sick? Good. 
Have you, have you, and now, and now Jonah, he's, he's, he's hanging or standing or swimming through. And then something starts to bubble in this fish's stomach. It says, oh no. I'm going out one end or the other. Right? And then it happens. And yeah, sure, Jonah's happy to see daylight again. Of course he is. But first he has to, he has to get out of this, uh, this state of, of being this projectile vomit that is spewed up onto the shore. Let me get a little bit cleaner for you. Is that alright? We done with the vomit talk? God delivers Jonah. He saves Jonah. Not because Jonah deserved it. Not because Jonah had done everything right up to this point. Nowhere is Jonah d d described as a righteous man. No, God saved Jonah because when Jonah found himself in distress, when he found himself lost, when he found himself hopeless, he said, God, I need you. God, I have done wrong and I am sorry. If you will, if you will let me see daylight again, I promise to do right. That's the only reason God saved Jonah. And that's the only reason God was ready to save the Ninevites. If they would only repent. If they would see what it is they were doing wrong and turn and go in the opposite direction. If they would cry out to God and say, God, I am doing wrong and I will do it no longer. That's the only reason God saves us. Not because of anything we do, not because of anything we say, not because of a position that we hold, but only because God is God and He says, I will forgive you if you only repent. God saved Jonah. God delivers Jonah from the depths of the grave, He describes it, rescues him, and now gives him a second chance. Do you want a second chance? Praise the Lord that God has given me a second chance, and not just a second, but a third and a fourth and a fifth. So there we were, trapped in the cave, tired, hopeless. I mean, we, we, we had given up all hope that we would be rescued. I'm just waiting for my mom to come crawling in with some sort of helmet light on. Hey guys, come on out. Here it is, you know. That didn't happen. Hours after hour after hour. And we kept counting down. We kept counting down on my watch. I, I kept checking. I didn't want to lose the, the, the battery on my watch, but I just kept checking. Okay, we've got another hour and a half. All right, we've got another hour. And at some point, I remember my cousin Rob, he, he looks at me and he says to me, we've got to get out of here. It's driving us crazy. I can't play I Spy anymore. We've got to get out of this stupid cave. 
And so we just, we, we, we just started crawling through. We crawled through the glass I don't know how many more times. We were done. We were looking for a way out. We're, we're hitting walls, just trying to, anything, anything. And I remember hitting this wall, and we heard a different sound. It was hollow. Now there's one way in and one way out of this cave, but I don't care any longer. I don't care if I'm about to break a law by, by busting through a wall of a, a national you know, treasure. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I just want to get out of here. So we start hitting this wall as, much as, as hard as we could over and over. I don't know how long we, we beat on this wall. But then it happened. Oh, then it happened. We saw light. Just a hint of light. Just, I mean, just this much. And you know what that did when, when you're hopeless, when you're lost, when you've, when you've lost every, every hope that you will ever see daylight again? Because that's where we were. I mean, you say, oh, it's only eight hours. Doesn't matter. We were, we were done. We were, I mean, beside ourselves. I thought, Rob, I'm going to die with you. Um, <laughs> he would laugh at that too. We saw this, we saw this little, little hint, this little glimmer of light shining through. And when you're in complete darkness and, and you just see a, a, a speck of light, that's all you need to be re-energized. That's all you need to, to, to know that there is a, a brighter day right on the other side of this wall. And so we started just pounding on this wall. And this little glimmer of light just got into this crack. Just this... And just, I mean, he's, I think he was at the bottom of this. I'm at the top and we're just, you know... Uh, we might have started using our fists. That's not true. But... The, the, the opening, I don't, know how, I don't know how long we did this, but the opening got to be about this big, okay? I was a, I was a little bit uh, thinner than I am today. He was a little bit chunkier than he is today. He would say that. Um, so I went through first. <laughs> he way back there, brother. I'm leaving. Uh, no, I got through first, and then he put his arm through, and, and we, both, we both got onto this other side. And when we bust through, when I went through, it wasn't just the light that energized me. It was the warmth that surrounded me, right? We went from, from about 40 degrees up to about 70 degrees in an instant, so we pull him through, and I remember the instant that he got out. I was looking, I was pulling him, but I'm looking at the mouth of the cave where the light is, and I pull him out, and I took off sprinting for the mouth of that cave. He's trailing somewhere behind me, don't care. I'm not looking back. I am sprinting to get out of this cave. And he says, wait, you're going to sprain your ankle. You're going to break your ankle. Don't care. Get now, brother. They say, leave no man behind. Didn't care. <laughs> I'll send help. As, I, as, I, as I'm sprinting toward the, the, the mouth of this cave, toward the daylight, my eyes are still adjusting, but my ears were fully adjusted, and I could hear the helicopters. 
Because, let me tell you, it's getting pretty close to 4 o'clock. Mama had called the cops. <laughs> I could hear the helicopters. And as my eyes adjust, as my eyes adjust, I come running out this cave and I see my dad. Still in his work clothes. He's got water. He's got flashlights. He's coming in. And he's going to rescue me. And I still think back to that day and how my dad was ready to come and to rescue me. And how each one of us, we find ourselves so lost, so desperate, without hope, we don't know how we will ever get out of the mess that we find ourselves in. And yet as we adjust our eyes... As we get in tune with the Spirit, what it is we see? We see Jesus running toward us. Everything that He'd, he'd, he'd warned us, he'd, He said, prepare for this, prepare for this, and we say, no, we don't need that, Jesus. But then we find ourselves in a mess. And if we just cry out to Him, Jesus, I need you. I need you right now. I need to be delivered. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. I don't know if I'm ever going to see uh, your, your, your grace your mercy. I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this mess. I don't see God how. I don't understand God how you could ever forgive me. Then we look before us and we see Jesus running toward us. And he's ready to rescue us. You see, my question to you this morning is where do you find yourself? Is there an area of your life today that you say, I'm lost? Is there an area of your life today that you say, I'm, I just feel so hopeless? Is there an area of your life that you say, you know what, I just, I'm in a mess and I don't see how I can get out of this mess that I am in? What is it that you need to be delivered from this morning? Or perhaps as you sit here today, you say, no, that's not me. I used to be lost. But I'm no longer lost. I used to experience things like that where I felt hopeless and I didn't know how to get myself out of a mess, but today I'm good. This message isn't for me. Let me tell you, this message is more for you than anyone else because God is depending on you just as He was depending on Jonah to go and to tell those lost folks, even those that you hold in your mind as wicked, to go to them and say, guess what? I was lost, but now I'm found. I was without hope, but God heard me when I was desperate. He answered me. He came running toward me, and He has rescued me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. You see, because that's the only way people will ever hear, is if we tell them. So let me tell you, church, the, 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 the call on us this morning, the call on us as we, as we serve as, as prophets in our families, as we serve as, as prophets in our communities, within our circles of influence, our call is not only to be delivered, to be rescued, but also to tell others about how they can find rescue in Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus wants to rescue you this morning. Will you hear Him? Will you see Him? Father God, I...
I thank you for your call. God, I thank you for rescuing me. And I thank you for rescuing so many, Jesus. When we are without hope, when we are lost, helpless and hopeless, you hear us and you come to our rescue. So Jesus, I thank you for that. And I thank you, God, for trusting us with this call, Lord, to share the message with our friends, to share the message with our family members, to share the message, Lord, with our community. Give us understanding. Give us the words to speak. Give us, Lord, the time to speak them. Jesus, I pray that you would work among us and through us. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.